Online Summits with Navid Moazes for episode 79. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step-by-step growth and online marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here, and let's start with another episode now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rebel Growth Podcast. This is Borja Beso, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. On today's episode, we have with us Navid Moazes. And he's going to show you how he created an online summit, which is basically an online conference with speakers and interviews to which you can register. He did it on personal branding and got staggering results. He got like 3,000 email subscribers without any paid traffic. He built a lot of relationships, which are very powerful, as you know, from the podcast with... Uh, a lot of top players on the industry he was targeting personal branding, which is, uh, you know, uh, marketing, business, online business, all that good stuff that we love here on the podcast. So listen closely because thanks to this interview, I've decided to do about five to six different online summits next year for my new project, Creativity U, to which I have been teasing you around for a couple of months now. I'm going to tell you more about it next week. So stay tuned for next week's episode. And uh, right now, let's just listen to Navid. So, without any further ado, let's jump right so, into Navid, the interview. So, Navid, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, Navid, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background? What it is that you were doing the years before you became an entrepreneur, and and how you started your company? Yeah, sure. I mean. Back in the day, I guess, uh, you know, I grew up in Sweden and, uh, you know, after high school, I got into law school and moved to the capital in Sweden, Stockholm, studied there for, you know, a few years. It was good for, I guess, the first few years there. But then I started to doubt even getting into law school in the first place and started getting into more personal development, you know, find found books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, Think and Grow Rich, and then also eventually it uh, led to, you know, reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and that's kind of sparked the idea, I guess, of a little bit starting a business, but I was still not, I guess, ready for it. That was like 2010, 2011, but yeah, then one thing led to another there again, so I found a mentor in 2012, and that was kind of the first time I invested in myself, even though it was actually very inexpensive at the time, you know, what I paid for that and you know worked a lot on the mindset but still procrastinated didn't launch my website or anything like that you know jumped from one thing to another procrastinated even more and then in 2013 something horrible happened you know in my life when my younger brother he unfortunately suddenly passed away just 22 years old and that just opened my eyes up what I, I should be doing. I should take more real action for the things I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I, it took me a little while, you know, to get back after that. And obviously my whole family was very devastated. So after that, I just decided no matter what, I would make this work, even though it would take me a few years, whatever it would do, I would make it work. I would start, you know, a successful online business. So I just jumped into it in June 2013. I, uh, you know, got an opportunity to interview Pat Flynn, and then I started my website, documented my entrepreneurial journey, and that's kind of the beginning. Just kind of starting with interviews, and I'm not a 
a native English speaker. So it was kind of a good way to get my way into it. But I had no experience doing that. It was kind of new to me. I didn't know how to record interviews or anything like that. So I had to figure it out. And then uh, leading to like starting a podcast, interviewing even more people, and then also to virtual summits. Because I saw from the podcast, it was great for relationship building. It was great for do some free mentorship, you know, if it was a little bit selfish reason in the beginning to start my podcast, to have a platform to interview all these experts. But then, you know, I realized, okay, I wasn't growing my list. I wasn't generating a lot, generating a lot of cash flow in my business. So then I stumbled across virtual summits, in particular in the health space. They were growing their list rapidly. They were also generating quite a lot of money from them. And then I just decided to go all in on that and create my first virtual summit. So that's kind of, you know, the backstory, how I got to where I am today a little bit. And uh, you mentioned you you got a mentor yep. early on. Uh, what kind of uh, mentor? Uh, how did you get to know this person? Uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it was kind of in a forum. It's not nothing special, really. I just connected with him there, and it was not even expensive or anything like that. It just uh, you know, kind of was, was aligned with what I wanted to do. He, I'm still friends with him to this day. We are doing kind of different things, but it still was good because he had the lifestyle I wanted to live. He lived abroad. He had the you know kind of the lifestyle entrepreneur I wanted to become. And then I just connected with him and started working a little bit, mostly on the mindset stuff actually in the beginning. And that's kind of I guess you know why I had even in, when in downtime, you know when I when I hit hurdles in my business, I'm still just bouncing back and you know moving 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 along so to speak. I mean even I even in adversity, I'm just just taking things to the next level and you know and, and turning that into something better and eventually into success well that's uh, a great backup story for sure and this mentor uh did he had like an online business something you wanted to replicate and uh, i guess to some extent in the beginning yeah now he has more of an like an a retreat style right in colombia his name is nate bunker i just connected with him back in the day and now we're doing a little bit different things i guess he, he, I mean, I, I guess I'm one. I mean, I don't know if he has said it before, but I must be one of his biggest success stories to date. So <laughs> that feels pretty good, obviously, to just you know take action. And even though it was different, what I'm doing now, it's still it doesn't always have to be that way with a mentor, though. So it's like doing the exact same thing, but they have to, I guess, be at the position where you want to be, and they don't have to be like at the top level. They can just be a few steps ahead of you for for it to work well. Oh, definitely, it's. Kind of that saying that goes something like, uh, you, you only have to know one more thing than someone mm -hmm. else in order to be an expert to that person. Exactly. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, even if you could get to know Richard Branson, right, he might not be the best mentor to someone just starting out. It would right. be overwhelming. So right. I think that's totally true. You know, that definitely. Yeah, it's, it's also a lot of things that people ask me all the time is, hey, man, how do I create... Um, a course or I, I want to sell information online but I, I feel like I'm not an expert well I what I say to them or or if they tell me something like I'm I, I'm not like I don't have any special abilities or any special knowledge knowledge I always tell them just right consume a book is learn it practice it you know develop your own style and your own way of of transmitting that information and create a course you you're already an expert to everyone else in the world that has not even read the book that you read about that topic for sure you're no longer a complete beginner so now you can teach complete beginners as long as you're true to your like you're not creating false expectations you can always do that yeah. now um when did you come up with the idea 
when did you have that hum moment that a summit was uh, what you were going to create? You mentioned that you saw some health summits going around, but how did it happen? Yeah, I mean, it was after, uh, you know, I've been doing my podcast for a while and then stumbled across these health summits and some other summits in the online marketing space. And they were doing well. They were like having pretty much like, I mean, I was already doing interviews. I was already getting pretty good at it. And then I could just take that skill pretty much interviewing people. Even if you don't have the skill, you can just do it from the very beginning to grow your audience with a virtual summit. And what I did was pretty much to see that they grew their list there and I wanted to also grow my email list. That's why I was really, really, uh, really interested in the concept of a virtual summit. You can still interview the experts in your field, but still, you know, grow your list and, and create a product fast by selling kind of the all access pass, the recordings and some bonuses in the back end. That's what I did with the branding summit. That was my first virtual summit kind of to put myself on the map. And then other people started asking me, you know, how to do it. But before even my my summit, my first summit in late 2014, I only had like 900 to 1,000 email subscribers from 18 months of work of blogging and podcasting. And then I did my summit, got about 3,000 email subscribers and about $20,000 in profit. And that enabled me to quit my job and my draining part-time job at a bank and then move abroad also so I can live this kind of lifestyle I'm living now at the time of this recording. I'm in Cancun a few weeks ago or like the other week I was in Barcelona and Madrid. So can live pretty much wherever I want, but I designed that lifestyle, you know, my, you know, like a, like a lifestyle entrepreneur. So I, I, you know, designed my business around my lifestyle and not the other way around. Right. Um, the, is that what you do full time now? Summits? Hey, I do summits. Yeah. So this kind of catapulted my business, you know, I quickly got from, you know, Pretty much in the first year when I started, it was not really a business. I I guess I had you know four hundred dollars or whatever, a few hundred dollars in, in that I made from affiliate commissions the first year. Then in two thousand fourteen, most of the revenue I generated actually came from you know the last two months there from the virtual summit. So in total of the year was like $27,000 or so in that year. And then in 2015, it was spread for mostly like my online courses because I launched a course called a uh, virtual summit mastery. So in total in 2015, it was over 200,000 spread between online course sales and, uh, and affiliate marketing. I've been very successful in promoting other courses that I endorsed like the that I've taken had some success with and also made over six figures there and then in 2016 this year at the time of this recording I'm just going to 3x to 4x my business this year so it's pretty rapid and that's part of the reason is I did this first virtual summit and then now I'm actually doing another one in this year uh, called list building school and that's going to even catapult my business even more well con congratulations man that's definitely a great growth curve for sure thank you uh you, you just mentioned something about a list building summit yep when that's when's that gonna happen uh, that's going on uh, september 18th till september 30th so yeah we start kind of sharing sharing more info about that pretty soon i mean depending when this goes live but around september 5th or 6th you can probably sign up for it and you know get get access to, you know, the, the it's going to be free to sign up for. Yes, there's going to be like an offer there as well, but you're going to get access to everything for for free for a limited time. And, you know, there's going to be some great content, some live presentations. There's going to be live panels and some pre-recorded sessions as well. So, it's, you know, something good for everyone there to want, who want to really 
learn how to build, grow, and monetize their email list, even if you're starting from scratch. And I think that's one of the most important topics because I wish I really put focus on growing my list from the very, very beginning. You know, and then obviously I did my summit, which is just one way to grow your list. And it's obviously I'm a little biased, but it's one of the best ways to do it too, I think. So, yeah. Uh, I'd be able to, I'd be willing to bet a lot of my money that most of the entrepreneurs in this show would say that building their list is the one thing they would do sooner. Yeah, the totally. One regret they have is not building a list sooner. Yeah, and even I, I knew about it, but it's just putting the focus. Like if you focus on too many things, I think it, it gotta be it gotta be your number one focus. I read a book called The One Thing. It was I think it was in the, the fall of 2014, right when I was kind of. You know, working on my podcast a little bit. I was working on my summit, and then I just I actually stopped doing my podcast for a while. You know, just because I wanted to 100% go all in with the virtual summit. And when I did that, to focus on the one thing that could move the needle in my business, then I also took things to the next level, which is very interesting. So I always like this approach. It's a really fantastic book. If you can, you know, link that up or something. The One Thing by Gary Keller, and I think is by Papasan. Uh, it's a really good book. Yeah. Um, I'll make sure to include that on the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, now, how many summits have you done so far? I have done like for my personal. The, the interesting thing, I've done one for myself, like for my personal brand once, you know, in the beginning. Now I'm like, and then I helped a lot of other people, so I had success with the self-publishing success summit. I did that one in uh, 2015. We helped Chandler Bolt. We got uh, 30,000 people sign up for it, and about. $370,000 in revenue, uh, which was just mind-blowing at the time, you know, thinking back. And then he grew his business very quickly. So he took his business from like 12 000. He had like a, a good business already, but still he wanted to take things to the, to the next level. So he had like 12,000 subscribers or so, and then taking it, you know, growing it over 30,000 subscribers. And then now he has over 100,000 subscribers actually with all the different things he's been doing. But he grew it very quickly after after the summit and then I have students in the health space I have students in like the insurance space and a lot of them you know grow their email list with a few thousand people to you know and then generating four to multiple five figures in revenue that's uh, you know depending on where they are starting on their journey and where they are so who's your ideal customer and uh, that is uh, that's and that is interesting it's like different who's my I have an ideal client and that's probably someone who's more like a six to seven figure business owner for my programs. It's someone I have, I have four different buckets actually who I'm, who, who I serve mostly. And it could be someone starting out from scratch pretty much. You don't even know your market. I can help you. I can help you with that in my program, figuring that out. And then you might do like a virtual summit on a specific topic. So that's kind of my bucket one. I have also another bucket, you know, bucket two, which I call, if you have, let's say you've been blogging, podcasting for a while, but you don't see a lot of traction. Maybe you have no email list or a very small email list. I can also help you. And then I have a third bucket and that's someone who's more, a little bit more seasoned. Maybe you already have an online course and you want to take things to the next level. Let's say you're making five to six, even seven figures in your business. I can also help you. I've seen that numerous of times people, you know, just skyrocketing their business. And they, that's like someone like Chandler Bolt, right? He has, he already had like a six figure business, but he took his business to seven figures after his virtual summit. And then I actually have a fourth bucket too I serve in, in my program. And I've actually served people. So I, I have found out that these are my buckets and that people, I have also, 
I've gone through Ryan Levesque's program. This is credit to Ryan Levesque, Ask Method. And that's kind of how I figured this out to have four buckets. It's just making it more customized, the content, to, my, to the people I serve. Because everyone is these different buckets. They are very different. In the fourth one, for example, I serve authors, consultants, coaches, but also uh, professionals like insurance. This insurance guy, he did a summit called the Insurance Agent Summit. And he's a professional, obviously, but it's a fantastic opportunity. Let's say you're a real estate agent or a lawyer to do a summit because a lot of, it's an untapped market. So that's why he did so well. He did like $90,000 in revenue, and then he got some recurrent revenue afterwards, and like 3,500 people sign up for it in the insurance space because he was first to market there pretty much. So that's kind of my fourth bucket. Well, we're talking a lot about summits right now, but I can imagine a lot of people asking to themselves, what? The heck is a summit? Like, what's the concept behind yeah, it? Sure. Uh, I mean, the essence of it is pretty simple. It's just, if, if you know, I mean, most people are familiar with offline events. It's pretty much just doing a virtual conference. And you can have multiple speakers on there, let's say 20 to 30. In some cases, it can even make sense to have 40 to 50 speakers. Depends really how you organize it, how you structure it. And most of the summits we've done is usually between like seven to around 10, 11 days. That tends to, tends to work pretty well. And uh, and then you would ha- ha- drip like you would have a few sessions per day go live, so it can be pre-recorded, and that's what I recommend when you're starting out. Uh, actually, doing a, maybe a, a mix between the two, so you have like live. Let's say starting off with a live session where you're like introducing the summit, and then maybe a live live closing keynote or something. But the interviews on the summit could just be pre-recorded to keep it simple the first time, and then you have three to four inches per day going out over a few days. That's kind of how it works. And then each interview would be available for, let's say, 48 to 72 hours. So you're having a limited in availability. That really works to move the needle for getting people to also purchase an all-access pass. And, and what's really important as well is to have some great you know, bonuses and things to offer there. So you're stacking up the bonuses the right way. So the offer is good. That tends to convert much better. So let's say you're getting... Uh, 3,000 people sign up for your first summit. That means, uh, at least for if you take my first summit as an example, I got around 200 customers because that we had like a 6% conversion rate. Uh, for you know other summits, you know, let's say we taking a 6% conversion rate of a 30,000 people summit, you know, then you might get you know 1,500 to 1,800 uh, people buying it. So that's obviously general numbers, but that's what I've seen typically summits converting at. We have conversion rates up to you know 20% for some students they they did really well with converting people who sign up for free to paid customers for the access pass and then also for their paid programs and, and courses if they have something like that too so you so you interview a lot of people you package it all together yep you uh, put it behind closed doors um from yeah. the beginning what what is it that uh, subscribers have access to when they sign up for yeah, that's a version. good, good question. So pretty much what, what I mean by you know, okay, it's it's a, you're gonna be clear who you want want to have on your summit. So it's not like anyone. So yeah, you can have like twenty to thirty speakers. It can even be less if that makes sense for your industry. Don't feel overwhelmed that you need to have like twenty to thirty. It's not needed. It's just that you need to. Depending on the industry, maybe if there's been a summit already, you need to stand out a little bit. And if it's a, a market where you don't need to have as many speakers, maybe you only have 
eight speakers, 10 speakers, you know, and, and go, you know, really, you know, try to spread in different ways, try to get all the speakers really excited about it. I think that's important. But, you know, to get back to your question, when people sign up from a landing page, then they would get like a welcome email saying, you know, thanking them for signing up. And they also go to the thank you page there. And that's where they can actually instantly purchase the whole access pass. So, you know, for, uh, you know, we start to, depending on the industry you're in, that's also important to note. In the online marketing space, we start between like 67 to $97 typically. That's kind of the price in the beginning. And then we tend to raise the price uh, as we go during the summit and also afterwards. So we have some, uh, you know, uh, some urgency that's really important to create some urgency during the summit and also afterwards and then you tend to get uh, more sales there but when the summit starts you know you send an email per day like that's kind of how it works for a pre-recorded one at least for a live one it's a little bit more advanced because you send, need to send more reminders but for a pre-recorded one it's pretty much you send one email per day you're letting people know uh, when it's available and then they can click through and watch the sessions and then you remove the sessions when uh, you know they're not available anymore that's pretty much how so, it works so when you subscribe for free you have access to all of the interviews if yeah. you're able to consume them within 72 hours let's yeah say. yes but they only drip out or let's say you have three interviews drip out on one day then the next day you have three four more and then and so on so you're not like releasing every everything at one time, that would not be like a real event. You probably have a few per day, you know, not overwhelm your people. So you have like a few per day and then you keep going like that. And then after, let's say, 48 hours, you remove the access and that's only available for people who have purchased uh, your all access pass all or access the premium. Pass. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it's only free for a limited time and, and then you have to purchase the all access pass, which makes complete sense, you know. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned record pre-recorded versus live. What are the benefits of each of those, you know, um, modalities? Uh, wait, what, what is it? Excuse me. Uh, what, what are the benefits of recorded, uh, recorded versus live? Oh, okay, yeah, totally. So benefits for recorded. Just in the beginning, you're gonna have so many other things to think about. So, so much other things going on. You're going to write the emails. You're going to communicate with your speakers. You might not even have a team in the beginning, so it's a little bit harder because there's going to be maybe something and go wrong with the tech for a live one. So I think the benefits for a pre-recorded, it's actually more, especially when you're starting out. Then as you're growing a little bit in your business, I think it makes sense to at least try a live one. I'm doing a mix. Like uh, most of my sessions is going to be you know, live for my, my, my next summit, the list building school one. And uh, it's, it's going to be like presentations from some speakers, it's going to be some live panels, but also I have some pre-recorded sessions where it didn't kind of fit the schedule for some speakers I really wanted to have on. And yeah, it's just, it's just going to take some more support, I think for a live one, because you might get, you know, more chat. For example, if I have, you know, especially for a bigger summit, you know, you're going to get a handful of people in the chat and then you're going to take care of those people. You're going to make sure you respond to the questions on the live ones. So then you, you need, you know, an assistant or two to manage that for you and also all the support requests that you can get from, from doing the summit. So I think that's mostly relevant if you're, you know, doing a summit like 10,000 plus attendees when you're doing like smaller, yes, you still get some people there, but pre-recorded is better because if you have, let's say 3,000, 4,000 people sign up, you're not going to get as many people on for a live session anyway. So it's just better to to have a pre-recorded where you can like maybe have some live elements mixed in, like a live Q&A here and there or a live kickoff hangout or a live closing keynote. That works really well. And how long does it usually take to plan a pre-recorded webinar? Uh, uh, sorry, pre-recorded uh, uh, summit. For yeah, so... 
I, I've seen anywhere, I actually have a student right now, he did it in around two months from start to finish, right? So that's pretty quick. So I have also other people do it in like three months, four months, and you might get overwhelmed, you're listening to this, oh, this sounds like a lot of time, but what's a lot of time if you're considering that you can grow your email list with like thousand to a few thousand people from a virtual summit? Maybe you're just starting out, maybe you're, you know, even if you're at a much higher level, you can do much more like 10,000 plus, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people from a virtual summit if you're, you know, doing really well and you plan it out, you know, have a good topic and you position it the right way, you, then you can do extremely well with it. And I think something else worth noting, you know, which with virtual summits is that most of my students or, you know, my students and myself, we don't require speakers to promote per se. Obviously, you're still going to ask and you're still going to see if there's a possibility, but we're trying to make it some kind of, you know, a win for them to be part of it. And then if they really like, you know, what you're putting together and like the content that's being shared on the summit, typically it's much easier to be, you know, to do, to get them to share that way and also not making the relationship, you know, transactional and rather building this authentic relationship with the speakers over, over time that works much better than just like asking straight up, Hey, can you promote my summit? I'm putting together. Then it sounds like you just wanted them on because they have a big audience. And I think that's a mistake too. A lot of people make like putting it in, in a contract that they need to promote. We don't do that. We don't, we focus on the relationship and then uh, we see also much better results because of it. Oh yeah. yeah. That's old school thinking. If you, yeah. If you think that you're going to put I, that you, on you, the you'd be, then. you'd be surprised how many emails I get for people who want me to be participate in summits and they actually do require you to promote the summit. And I've spoke, spoken to a lot of people. It's a turnoff, even these contracts and different things. Yes, you can, the, it's just keep it very, keep it like a, a it's pretty much like it should be like a podcast pretty much for for it feels like a podcast for them and not like more i think that tends to do well but obviously a summit can be pretty good exposure for for the speakers too if you do it the right way i mean some summits they tend to not be as much exposure but a lot of the people who do it the right way feature the lead magnets and stuff like that they can get like really good signups and stuff like that from a virtual summit as well right now when it comes to reaching out to those speakers, influencers, how, how do you go about it? Do you build some sort of rapport before you reach out to them or uh, how do you do it? Yeah. So I try to at least have a few people that I, I know. I mean, I, I now as, as you're growing your business, you know, a lot more people, when you're starting out, you can at least start building relationships with some people like commenting on their blog, being on their radar, it, it, being on their email list is really powerful because then you can respond to them, be an active member of their community. You can, you know, maybe you purchase one of the courses, you can be a case study, maybe you've read a blog post, share your results. If you read a book, leave an Amazon review. There's a lot of things, simple things you can do that puts you on the radar. So yes, you might not be best friends yet, but when you're reaching out, they'll recognize your name. And I think that's very important when it comes to, at least if you don't know many people, otherwise that's just something I call kind of the ladder strategy where you start with people you know, and then you work yourself up the ladder. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say you know someone, they can also maybe introduce you to a potential speaker. It's just much easier because when you're reaching out cold to a few people, then you can name drop some people you already have on board and it's just much easier to get them to say yes. And then like trying to make it a win-win as much as you can, even if you're starting out. Let's say you can link the, up the lead magnet you know, below the interviews. You can, if you're up for it, you can even 
let them you know have their products featured or let's say a sponsorship there's a lot of ways to get them you know a little bit more excited about whatever you're creating with your summit than typically other summit hosts do so that's kind of what me and my students tend to do with with when, when we are uh, uh, inviting speakers but i would about imagine there's different sort of speakers right some will be more yep. popular yep. than others some will be less popular than others some will be more willing to promote than others. Uh, do you have any classifications? Yeah, so it's kind of, I titled it like C, B, and A-listers. So okay. C-listers, they're kind of up-and-comers. They would be more likely, I guess, to say yes because they don't get as many invitations. B-listers, they're still quite up there but still might even be able to promote your summit. They're, you know, they're, they're good people to invite on and build a relationship with. Maybe you can do some co-hosted webinars even in the future with some C-listers and B-listers. The A-listers, they're typically very busy. You know, they're the names in your industry that everyone tends to talk about and they know, know them. And they plan well in advance, typically. They're you know, schedules and maybe you can still get an interview with them, but don't really count on that they can share it with their audience or anything like that. If they do that, that's a big bonus. Uh, that's kind of how I see it. You know, a lot of the times when people starting out, they, they go for the big names going to share their summit. I think that's also a mistake. I think rather build a relationship with a, with a big name like that. It just takes a lot longer to do it. And you might have to even help them out quite a while. Maybe you have to promote their course first so they see uh, that you are doing something for them. Maybe make them some money or whatever it is. You know, they, there's a lot of ways you can add, add value to a really big name before you know, they might you know, help you out. And you should, you should never expect anything in return either. I think that's also a mistake people make. They just, okay, let me help this person for a year now and then he's going to help me out all of a sudden. It doesn't work this way. Like it just it's not, it's not the, because you have to just keep adding value. If this is something, someone you really respect and you really admire what they are doing, just keep adding value. You would do it anyway, right? So that, that's kind of how I see it. And, you know, some people have taken me a few years to build a relationship with until they finally promoted anything of mine. One way that I, that I always recommend people to build some rapport with speakers, experts, influencers, whatever, people that they want to get, that they want to build a relationship with is create a 100 plus list on your blog of the top influencers on your industry, the top blogs on your industry, yep. the top authors on your industry or whatever. Yeah. Create that list, obviously reach out to them and promote that that post through yeah, Facebook totally advertisements agree. and make sure, sure the influencers that are on that list see that promotion. Then reach out to them and make sure they know that you're paying for advertisement mm -hmm. for something they are yeah. featured on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on that's a good idea. I mean, we do like the expert roundup post. This is kind of similar, but yeah. you know, I, I think it's also a good way to test. Let's say you have a summit topic in mind and then you do it on a similar topic for this roundup post, this this post you're doing and just make it like really epic. I think that's, you know, like make, you know, have screenshots in it, make like, you know, just maybe have, have feature more experts in it, whatever it takes to make it stand out. And if you can, uh, as you said there, you can pay for advertising even to get it seen. And that's obviously good for you too. If you're going to retarget some of those people, then for your virtual summit, you have, you get cheaper leads, which is great. So I think it's a win-win altogether. Yeah. Now, when you're reaching out to these people, do you tell them it's going to be a paid product? 
Uh, actually, yeah, depends on the industry, I guess, because I send them like I send them like a one page about the summit, what it's all about, and all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of in my industry, at least the people I invite, they are pretty familiar with it. But I do say to other people, if they're not familiar, it might they might have to explain it. So they might have to explain the structure of the summit for people I, in my industry. They are more familiar, so that doesn't necessarily have to explain hey this is going to be part of an all access pass i'm selling it's pretty much uh, you know they, they they understand that when i'm reaching out anyway what if what if uh someone's you know you're reaching out to someone on an, an industry that knows nothing about this yep and uh would you tell them it's uh paid it's you know it's you're gonna charge for it for what you're gonna create with this yeah person. i mean if they I mean, pretty much i would mean it's free to sign up for i mean i would just be straight up like and then we're gonna package this up but you're gonna be seen to all the buyers i mean that's still that's still good for that person i mean like what can you share like you're not gonna be able like th that's how i like to look at it like some people they think oh i'm gonna share all my secrets in a 30 to 45 minute interview that's not the case. I mean, if that's the case, maybe you you don't have so much to teach. <laughs> so that's kind of how I see it. So rather think about it like this is some additional exposure. And now, okay, if they're gonna sell this, I mean that that's great. I mean, they, they you get in front of some buyers. You might even get some customers from this uh, if it's done well. So it's not a bad thing at the end of the day. So I think I think uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But I would definitely be straight up if they ask about it. You know, some people might, you know, be a little bit curious, then just explain it, you know, that what it's part of, what you're doing with it, uh, what's your vision, what's your goal, what's your objective and all that kind of stuff. Do, uh, has anyone asked for commissions? Uh, of course, I mean, that's a part of like, I give for, if, let's say if they make a sale for the Alexis Pass or my back end, then I always give commissions like 50% or something like that. So then I do it, but I obviously don't give like for all the summit sales, I don't do it. Like right. that's that would just not be possible. I've seen some summit they're giving away to like a good cause, for example. Like you know that 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 could work well. Uh, and so I mean that that's just easier maybe to get speakers more more on board if you're if you have a nonprofit or let's say you're giving away a certain percentage to charity then. You know, it's a little bit easier to get speakers like very excited. Maybe even some bigger names on board. Let's say you wanna, let's say if you wanted to get uh, Adam Braun of a pencil of promise on board. Well, if you're gonna build a school or something like that, it's probably easy to get him on board to support the project if you wanna help him. You know, in that way. So, just be a little bit creative with whatever you're doing. And that said, you don't have to do a charity one, but it's just an another angle you can take if you want to. Yeah, definitely. Um, the would you consider paying for a speaker if he's like a super big deal? Mm, I have never done it. And no, that's a question I get quite a bit. I have never paid for a speaker. None of my uh, students, they have either. Uh, but I, this certain, I, I haven't got to that point where I need to pay for someone. I would probably consider it. Let's say if I could get Tim Ferriss, maybe I would buy some of his books or whatever I probably wouldn't pay like a $25,000 to $30,000 speaking fee I don't think that would be worth it for what it is I couldn't get I can get a lot of people who charge that kind of fees for free you know so I don't know if it makes sense to me to get someone unless they were like unless it was like in a celebrity space maybe you would have to do it but I, I've seen people in a variety of industries they have not paid for their speakers and they have always positioned it in a way so they so they could get them on for for free pretty much and that that's what I what I recommend too especially if you're starting out you don't have a big big budget there yep 
And uh, what about the pitch? When you are reaching out to people uh, via email, what do you say on that email? Um, as I said, so first, you pre I mean, what I recommend is having a few people uh, lined up before you kind of go to cold email pitches or whatever. So maybe you have some people you know. If you don't, that's also fine. You have to start somewhere, right? But as I said, you can, you should have been on on the radar of some people. So if you are like by you know building relationships, then it's going to be much easier to reach out to them. But uh, it kind of starts with like just you know say maybe having a compliment in the first uh, line of the email, first paragraph of the email, like something very specific that maybe you liked about their book, about their latest blog post, or whatever you did. And then you would transition into telling them in a line or two about your your virtual summit, what it's all about, like what, what it's consists of, what, it, what the name is, and then maybe some social proof if you can expect how many people will sign up for it. Maybe in the beginning you would say, yeah, a few thousand people would sign up to attend this summit for me for my next one. I mean, hopefully, I get over thirty thousand people sign up. So I just mentioned that. So that also shows, you know, they have okay, they will be part of this, get some exposure, and then I have, uh, uh, you know, maybe a line of who or a paragraph with the speakers I have on board, so they that so they understand they will be a good company. And that's about it. And I just kind of end it with, uh, you know, if you would like to explore this more. Let me know, and and in some cases I even end with if they would like to get on a quick Skype call with me. That's pretty much how I end it. And then I have a PS about uh, you know including the including the one page document about the summit. That's that's it. That's very simple. And uh, when it comes to getting them to promote, those who maybe those who are on the line about promoting, or those mm -hmm. who who you know who you might convince to promote, how can you increase your chances of being promoted? I think the relationship and keeping it personal is a good way. I mean, that's why I do pre-calls. But you have to you have to think about like maybe you don't have to do it to the biggest speakers because that they are so busy. So you have to think of, you know have a little bit of common sense there. So you don't have to jump on with all your biggest speakers to do a pre-call because they might not promote anyway. Maybe mention that. Mention something if you're interested. I can send you more info. If not, like you don't have to even go that way. Like you can just. Send it when, whenever your summit goes live, you can send them some stuff. I mean, this is like mentioning it. If they say they can't commit, that's totally fine. But I tend to do these kind of calls with a lot of speakers, like 10-minute calls, 15-minute calls. Just see how I can support them. And then also like seeing how, you know, talking about the topic they would like to, you know, they can speak about on the summit, you know, suggesting something there. And then seeing if it's a good fit for them to promote the summit. And a lot of people have almost actually 100% close rate on this, but uh, they say yes. And it's not in a pushy way I'm saying this. And obviously now I have a little bit more authority in, in the space than I, when I started out. So it's easier. But I've had also my many students doing the same thing, finding great success with also cold emailing people, like to become possibly an affiliate for, for the summit, like outside of the speakers, like we use a tool called Contactually for this to contact people like that and just follow up with them. It works really well. Sorry, can you uh, repeat that, that uh, tool? Contactually, it's like a it's like a CRM, uh, but not like an email service provider. It's like a CRM where you can follow up with people. You can organize all your contacts. It's a game changer. I I run all my affiliate promotions and stuff like that through through that tool or through that service. It works really well. And I can follow up with people. I can also send mass uh, mass emails. Like also, well, when I say mass emails, I mean you can actually customize the emails in there, so you make sure that I I you know have something unique about each person. You know, maybe I read their blog post, and I mentioned that, so I can tweak the emails, but I can still use some 
emerge tags inside so you just uh, save some time instead of spending a day maybe i spend a few hours instead uh, which really helps um so that's pretty much what I do. So that's how you have to communicate with speakers. A lot of a lot of uh, uh, summit hosts they think, okay, I'm just gonna uh, send like one reminder about the summit, and that's not that's not uh, that's not that's not it. You have to really follow up with people. You have to give them everything they need, like swipe copy, uh, promotional graphics, right. all that kind of stuff, and make it a little bit fun to be part of. To if you if you can do it, make. You know, have some communications throughout the summit, make leaderboards, do some fun things yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe create like a contest between the speakers to see who, yeah, who gets stuff the most like, promoted. Stuff like that. like that. I mean, but you don't have to, for your first summit, I, I don't, if it's overwhelming for you, yeah, I have a lot of students, sure. you don't have to do it. But it's just like, you can keep that in mind. You can still, you got, still got to communicate, still keep it personal with your speakers and with your affiliate partners and then follow up with them and like make sure they have everything they need, make sure they know uh, that they have the links, make sure they can, they have maybe scheduled even the emails. You know, if, if they've said yes, I only do this. If they have said yes to promote, then I always try to follow up with them a, uh, at least until they say, hey, I'm not interested anymore because <laughs> they said yes initially, right? If they right. said yes initially, then I follow up with them. If they say no, I don't bother them. I actually, I don't, I don't care if I have some speakers who don't promote on my summit. I actually invite them on because I really wanted them to be part of the summit in the first place, not because they had a big list or you know all this big audience and I would just leverage the audience. I, I'll leverage what they know and that's how it makes sure they look good to the people on the summit. And for the first summit that you ever did, did you run any sort of paid traffic? No, I didn't actually. So that's also a good good question. I didn't run any paid traffic for my first summit, and I got about three thousand people signed up. And I have other students who ran who didn't run paid traffic, and they got you know similar or even bigger results than that. So you don't need to run paid traffic, but obviously that helps, especially retargeting can be very beneficial if you can spend you know just a few hundred dollars even on retargeting you can see quite a good return right. uh, for your all access pass and for if you're selling a course in the back end you can also see a good return there yeah i can see people getting very creative with also sorts of promotions that you could run um for something like this maybe even do like a launch but webinars you know there's so many things that you can Oh yeah, you can do you can and, you, you know, can you do can. a lot of things but uh, keep in mind the 80/20 rule like you know uh, you know pretty much the you know 20, 80% of your opt-ins and sales will come oh, from yeah, 20 the 20% of the let's say the promotional efforts you put in. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting how it all works. So but I love those I, numbers. I, I love how you you were able to get 3000 subscribers by you know other people's promotions by other you know leveraging other people's audiences i know you said it, that you weren't getting um speakers because of their audiences but you know it's beautiful to see how how that works that it, it doesn't need, you know you, you don't require a lot of a, a huge advertising budget in order to build a big list yep totally you and i'm sure to. that's one of the things that you're going to cover on your on your upcoming list building uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a lot. I mean, it's gonna be a lot of different strategies. Obviously, I have also training on virtual summits there. I also have a course, kind of I'm selling that in the end. So I'm actually you know, practicing what I preach, pretty much what I'm teaching here. So I'm like selling my virtual summit mastery program at the end of this uh, summit because it's tied in. I mean, what to me one of the best ways to grow your email list is with a virtual summit. So it makes total sense to sell that at the end. So. 
and still people get all the different trainings on list building school, whether they decide to just attend for free or upgrade to the premium pass. And then they also have the option to purchase later my virtual summit mastery program. So that's kind of how I have the funnel there. So your peeps, uh, you know, who, who are tuning in, they can sign up for the summit for free and check it out. And, you know, they can see how I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what are some major obstacles that you see people having when they try to do their first summit? I mean, I think it's having the wrong, uh, like false expectations. They are thinking maybe they've seen some summits like the one we did with Chandler Bolt or some, you know, summits getting like 30,000 plus opt-ins and they think they're going to get similar results. I think if you're starting out, you're going to have very realistic expectation. I think I've had students who get over, who got like 10,000 opt-ins or even more starting out and or going into a new market. That's possible. But I think that's a, rather the exception than the rule. I think if you're starting out, expect like, depending on your skill set and different things there, a thousand people to few thousand people, that's pretty realistic to get from a first virtual summit. But that's fantastic results because what you're going to do after you do your first one, I mean, I just spoke to Ryan Lee, like a big time online marketer and entrepreneur. He just said, after you do your first one, you're going to go on to your next one because then you can leverage the momentum and just create, you know, create a much better and bigger one because you have already built relationships. And I have one student, he did pretty well with his first two, but now he's on his th uh, third one and he's going to crush it. Now he has like some sponsors on board and he's getting way more speakers and affiliates committed because now he's building a more of a name of himself and now people are more excited to be part of his summit, but also to promote him. Now, what, what do you do with the content after you finish the summit? Are yeah, you, you able can. to turn that onto sort of an evergreen product yep. or an evergreen summit or, or what? Yeah, you can have it like evergreen, like and have some of the recordings, let's say for free and have like a funnel for it. Like people sign up and, you know, have some kind of drip out some emails, maybe have five interviews or a PDF of a, you know, like a summary of the summit for free. They sign up for it, get that and then a little sequence and then you sell it uh, during that sequence. It's like you can create like an email course or something like that. Have an autoresponder for it. That can work well, but you can also do a lot of other things with your with your summit, like repurpose it into a book. I had one student do that. She became an Amazon best-selling author. Uh, had a what else can you do? You can you know have it in you know, repurpose into different blog posts or guides, uh, even podcast snippets. You can have it on podcasts. You can have it on YouTube. Like take some of the uh, videos and you know strip them out and put them on YouTube. That can drive some traffic even back to the summit. And uh, so that's a, that's a few things you can do. Even turning into a membership site could be one option to have like recurring revenue coming in. But so I, I suggest like making it, you know, even if you have a course afterwards, maybe, maybe making it tie into your sales funnel. I think that's a good way if you're doing your summit, let's say uh, what Chandler did with the self-publishing success summit, it, it's kind of directly related to his course, self-publishing school, obviously. So he uses his summit as a downsell, you know, in his sequence. So if they don't purchase his uh, main program in his uh, kind of evergreen sequence for his course, now afterwards they are getting also a downsell for his summit to purchase that. So things like that you can do. There's a lot of things to uh, you reuse the content from your summit so it's not going to waste. Well, uh, man, there's so many other things that people can learn about summits. Before we go, um, is there any place that you want to send people to stay connected with you and learn more about how, how to create a virtual summit? Yeah, I mean, I just actually recently I created, I, I 
created like an epic uh, free virtual summit course like via email so you get like i think it's going to be nine or ten parts we're just finalizing at the time of this recording but when this goes live it's going to it's going to be up there so you can go to navid.me and it's just my homepage. sign up there to the free course and get on it and uh, and then you can also check out the virtual summit i have coming up uh, listbuildingschool.com and there you can you know, see how I'm running it. It's going to be a very cool summit if you're interested in list building and you know, pretty much building, growing, and monetizing your email list. Even if you're starting from scratch, I think you're going to find a lot of value and also seeing how I run a really good virtual summit there. Well, I'll make sure to attend that summit uh, for sure. Navid, man, thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and sharing everything you share with us. Uh, I hope to have you again in the future for sure. Definitely. Take, take care. Take care. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and took a lot of notes. Head on over to rebelgrowth.com forward slash episode 79 for the show notes and everything mentioned on this episode. Until next week, guys, go out, implement, and keep on growing.